Welcome to Real Souls, Real Spirituality, Real Connection. A podcast about real day-to-day spirituality and navigating our spiritual human experience. This is a podcast for people keeping it real and anyone with a soul. (laughs) (laughs) Our hope for this podcast is to engage in raw, authentic conversations about what it means to be a spiritual being. We are going to have so much fun exploring some deep topics and create a dialogue about spirituality. We would like you, the listener, to feel connected to your spirituality and as part of a soul community. We are never alone in this journey as we are all souls. So let us get real. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm here with Natalie, Trisha, Victoria, and this is Gabby Speak. How are you all ladies doing? Good. Doing, doing great. Good. You're great. great. Thank you. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about grief and resilience. This is a huge topic that could use many, many podcasts, but we want to take a, a real spirituality approach to it. Grief can hit us in many different ways, emotionally, mentally, and physically. We want to put a warning out there for people that might feel triggered by this topic. If you're going through grief right now and you're in the midst of it, maybe this episode might help you a lot or maybe it might trigger you a lot. So just be cautious and careful with that and use your own intuition to know if it's something that could help you today or if maybe you can listen to it in another time. Either way is fine. Just really listen to yourself about it. Just lots of self-care if it does trigger you. That's a big, big thing to remember is self-care. Good. Be kind to yourself. We also want to talk in this episode about the spiritual side of grief and resilience that Mm -hmm. comes with grief. So let's have Victoria introduce our guest, Natalie. So yeah, we've got two of you here today we're going to talk a little bit about. We're going to turn the tables on you a little, Patricia. Our guest today is Natalie, and Natalie is somebody I'm very excited to have on the podcast. I know we've been talking about having you on the podcast for a minute. So you're an inspiring, powerful woman. Watching you work in your healing is one of the most fascinating things that I have experienced. We had a common experience recently in a Reiki class and that was eye-opening for me. It really touched me personally. Natalie has an incredible level of compassion and understanding of the human experience and shares that. Uh, You're also very deeply passionate and in working with other people and sharing that, helping other people work through their trauma, their grief, and figuring out what it is to be human. And you're no stranger to pain yourself. So I'm excited, if excited is the right word for a topic (laughs) like grief, I'm excited that you're on the podcast. um, And I think we're going to get, you know, get a good conversation going today on on this topic, on grief and resilience, Mm -hmm. the other side of grief. Our dear, what is this, a co-host? Are we, (laughs) Miss Patricia, and and you also have been through a lot, know a lot, and have worked a lot with grief, Mm -hmm. and are one of the most resilient people that I can think of, honestly, in your attitude and and how you approach life. And so I think that between the two of you, we're going to have a great conversation today, Mm -hmm. walk through a really heavy topic, um, and maybe find some of the silver lining at the end of it with where grief leads you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I look forward to actually doing things like this to help others see possibilities in life. So Mm -hmm. hopefully it will reach the people who need it. It will. It will. I think it will. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to mention how there's many different kinds of grief, of grieving too. Just so that the listeners out there, when they hear the stories, to not compare stories with what you're going through. Because sometimes grief is the death of someone that you love. Sometimes grief can be the loss of a job, the loss of a dream, of something that you thought it was going to be one way and it didn't go that way. There's so many ways of grieving. And what it, what's important is that the grief, the emotion on itself, no matter where it comes from, is painful. And that's, that's what right. we're really focusing yeah. on. That's um, right. Grief has a commonality in that pain is pain. doesn't yeah. matter if my pain is different than yours and mm-hmm. vice versa. Pain is pain, and we all know what pain is like when we've gone through grief. Yes. And I think it's important to remember, too, to not go in comparison because Absolutely. you can't understand how someone's feeling it mm-hmm. and what one person 
may say, oh my word, that's so hard for you to go through. I feel so bad for you, but in reality, do they really understand what they've gone through mm-hmm. compared to someone else? So no. I think it's important to stay out of comparison in that so that we can just help yes. each other heal together. Exactly. And a lot of times, at least for me, if I'm crying when someone's, it's not that I'm like, oh, I feel sorry for you, that I can feel the depth of the pain. Mm. And that just is an emotional thing. So if I start yeah. crying, you guys know why. <laughs> I'm a crier. I think there's going to be a lot of tears. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So, you know, we're, we're talking about grief today, and I want to acknowledge before we jump in that, that trauma is a part of this conversation. Yeah. And we could have podcasts or a podcast about trauma as well. And I think as you're talking about that comparison, there does tend to be a lot of trauma comparison or trauma yeah. one-upping that happens. And and the trauma piece of it is important, but I think what we're focusing on is what's the aftermath of that? What's yeah. the, the grief that follows the trauma? What does that process look like? And mm-hmm. and couldn't it reiterate more, you know, this is not a this is not a comparison and I hope our listeners hear things and take that comparison and go, Oh, she's been through that. She made it through that. She's going through that. I can too. Right. Yes. That's the, the That's spirit the intention. We want. Mm-hmm. That's the intention. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. So maybe to start off a little bit light, maybe the technical side of of grief. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge, right, there's the five phases of grief, maybe seven. Got you've got your your five phases. This is not a linear process, right? No, it's not, not like you go through phase one, yep. you know, done oh you're you're it. done with denial, now move on, you're never going back there. So can exactly. both of you kinda of talk a little bit about how that process works generally so that our listeners can understand that it's okay for it to be not linear. I think at least in my experience, we do go through grief and grief is associated with loss, right? And there is some grief and some loss that you never truly get over. And I don't mean that you're crying the rest of your days. I'm meaning there's always going to be a little ache inside when you think about your story. There's always going to be a little bit of sadness sometimes. And that doesn't mean that that's that you haven't healed from it. It's a part of your narrative. It's a part of your story. And to ignore that and to kind of be in a place where you're kind of denying that part of your story is also denying yourself and the gifts you have to share with other people as a result of what you've been through. So I just wanted to put that part out there. I hope that made sense. (laughs) There's no end to it. Grief happens because we loved, right? So it's never going to go away if the love never goes away either. That's right. It goes with it. It's the duality of loving somebody. I'm going to grieve them if they're not there anymore. I I feel like grief and trauma are so interchangeable Mm -hmm. that it's, that in itself kind of explains how it's not linear. And trauma, you work through it in a way where you're back and forth through timelines of your life and, and then having to revisit it. It's like layers of an onion. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for me with grief is the pain that comes from it. The second that I start going down that road to heal that or understand that portion of it, the pain has to come back again. Mm-hmm. And that's the healing part for me is revisiting that pain. There's also love in that pain. It's mm-hmm. the things that I did feel I did right. It's the healing moments of that or watching those people where I did have experiences with them prior. It's an ongoing thing that I don't feel like it's forward motion. It's yeah. forward, back, side. It's all over and you have to really look at it 3D. Yes. What would you say to listeners now who are listening to this, going through grief of whatever sort, whatever cause, and they're being pressured by someone or multiple people or society in general saying, look, just get over it. Are you are are you done grieving yet? Are you grieving in the wrong way? What do you say to those people? Not the ones oppressing them, but the ones yeah. sitting there going, "I can't just get over it." I have that said to me many, many times. Why can't you just get over this, Patricia? Or you've been grieving long enough. And I didn't say it back in the day because I didn't have the courage to speak up back in the day. I didn't have a voice. But what I would say to them now is that you're not on my journey. I need to take the time that is needed, however long that may be. And sometimes it's a lifelong journey, right? Depending on what it is. 
So to them, I would say, you know what? This is something that you don't truly ever get over. Yeah, you can heal from it. You can move move forward. But you don't ever truly get over it. And thank you for your concern. But this is my journey. Mm-hmm. And it may look different from what you feel it should look like. But it's my journey to travel. That's how I feel about it. I agree. I, I feel like there's a lot of pushback for me um, in healing from certain parts of trauma or grief in my life is it's tricky there's where you almost get blamed because of the circumstances or the stages that it was happening or did happen in Mm -hmm. and not that it was vocalized Mm -hmm. but it's a feeling that you get and then everything you know as a family is gone Mm -hmm. not just the person everyone Mm -hmm. and that's a grief that you're not losing just the one it is Mm -hmm. it's something that yeah this so when they start to come or enter back into that it's it goes back a lot further than that one grief time it's a whole Mm -hmm. childhood trauma of abandonment Mm -hmm. of everything and to me everything fizzles into it's going back and it's all griefs all traumas and they just kind of mesh in a pot together. So mm. it's hard for me to find a beginning and an end of that grief. You know, you don't get out your grief A out of the drawer and get over it and then get right. grief B out of the drawer and get <laughs> yeah. over it. It's <laughs> all a big pot yeah. of that's, grief. It's yeah. like saying, get over it. Okay, hold on, I'm still pulling on this noodle. As soon right. as it's done, I'll be over it. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. But it's... Yeah. It's like we would never tell someone that just went, just had a horrible car accident that broke 100 bones to go through the hospital surgery and then be like, get over it. Are you done now? Right. You know? Yeah. We would yes. never say that to somebody physically or somebody that just went through cancer. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Yeah. You went through cancer or you just went through, through chemo. Get over it. But when it comes to emotional stuff, people say that all the yeah. time. Yes. When when it hurts the same or even more when it's emotionally than physically Mm -hmm. so like yeah it'd be a good thing for people to be really careful with what we say to those that are in grief being the person in grief that was being told that and now i can go back and see at that time i think i was so numb it really didn't matter what the people were saying Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. i it didn't Mm -hmm. i just stared at them there was you it didn't Mm -hmm. matter what they said Mm But being able to go back and see, try to give compassion to their frustrations and concern, because being able to journey back to that and seeing that is, it heals in the sense that you feel like all of a sudden somebody was there for you. Mm -hmm. And though they were responding in that way, it's because they were uncomfortable in it. They didn't know what to do for you. They didn't know how to respond. And so they want you out of that so the best way they can think is oh come on you just you got to get over it you just it's a choice you can do this and not always with you being uncomfortable so they want to change that and maybe it's that they want to comfort you they want you to feel better because they're afraid i don't know but i think that it's hard for humans to look at others in suffering and either not turn their head or at least try to do something about it and a lot of times yeah not try to fix it yeah not try to fix it and I think that's an important thing that my own grief has taught me is to never do that with somebody else who's going through grief to sit there and try to fix it give the platitudes that are well meant but hurt right Right. because they can um that's one thing I can say I'm grateful for coming out on the other side is knowing how to sit and hold space for people when I didn't really know how to do that Mm. before. I mean, I kind of did, but not to the level where I'm at now. No. And so if there's any advice I can give to anybody out there listening is anybody who's going through something, even if you don't understand it, just sit there and hold space for them. Listen, no judgment. Come from a level of compassion and empathy for what that person is going through in their pain. Mm. That's the best way you could ever be there for anybody and if you want to be there for someone put yourself in their shoes literally try to or try to think of being in that situation with people that are that dear to you and Mm -hmm. having the same scenarios take place yeah the moment you can see that in someone else and wrap it around your own pain Mm -hmm. it's like okay i can sit forever you just Mm -hmm. keep going i'll sit 
That's beautiful. So that's beautiful. So I want to ask both of you. We'll start with Patricia to give us a little bit of like your story of grief, so that we can understand what you went through. Let's we can keep it brief, but let's start with you. What what's your story of grief? Well, mine starts in childhood. There was a lot of verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And the grief that comes from that is later on down the road when you realize just how fucked up it was, what happened to you. And in the moment, a lot of times we don't, when we're children, we don't know how to process that, right? We just don't. And so later on in life, when we're old enough and hopefully wise enough to see, that was fucked up, right? Excuse my mouth, but this is a real pro- <laughs> podcast with real real emotions and yes, real language real. and real everything, right? <laughs> yeah. So when we can see that, you know what, this was, this, this is fucked up that happened to me. There's a grief that comes from that of, I lost so much of my childhood because I dissociated the whole time. I I didn't trust people. I, I wasn't able to live my life the way, let's say a child who hadn't gone through that, the happiness, everything that maybe we missed out on. So there's a grief in that. So for me, that's what I had to mourn and I had to grieve was the childhood that I lost. And then later in life, and a lot of you listeners know this, I've talked about it before, but for new listeners, it took us seven years for me to get pregnant with my first child. And then um, we lost that baby. I never got pregnant very easily. It would take me at least two or three years to get, to get pregnant. And so each subsequent pregnancy was a loss. I was never able to have biological children. And the very last one that we had was the the furthest along I'd been in my pregnancy. I had to give birth to him. I had to go through the whole process of holding my dead baby, right? And I'm just getting emotional, not because it's remembering where I was in that moment and the pain that I had. And so there's a grief in that. There's a grief in never being a mother. There's the grief in never being a grandmother. There's the grief of losing the children that you so desperately wanted. There's a grief of lost dreams. I mean, the grief is just so many layers. As you know, Natalie, grief is layer by layer by layer. And it goes, like you were saying, in 20 different directions at the same time. And so for me, that's what what grief looked like for me. Thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable with us. Was there anything that anybody ever said to you that helped you through in your story when you were going through the darkest times? Oh, man, that's a hard one because I'm going to be honest, not many women understand this kind of pain unless they've been through it, unless they don't have children. And so it's a very lonely journey to travel when every woman you know out there is having children and you're not. And so it's a lonely journey. And I I have to say that there really wasn't anything anybody could say or did say Mm -hmm. that helped me. Everybody was coming from a good place, but a lot of times those good places were hurtful. So really, the only thing that I can say in later years is when I got therapy and felt 150% safe to tell my story to my my male therapist, which is interesting because I don't trust men, (laughs) but I trusted him. I knew from the very minute I met him that I could trust him. So I didn't, I wasn't able to be in a place to hear that until I felt safe. And then he was able to say a lot of breakthrough and help me walk through the pain to see the breakthroughs to, to get there. So it's not so much in what he said, it's more of in how he walked me through it so that I could see that for myself. Mm-hmm. But that was a pivotal point for me. What did you need it to hear in those moments? I love you. I'm so sorry. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here for you. Um, Help me. And if you don't understand how to help somebody in that moment, because it's true, a lot of times we don't understand how to help somebody because we've never been through that grief. Ask them, is there anything that I can help you? I know that sounds so cliche because everybody says that, oh, you know, let me know if there's anything I can. No, put your arm around them and say, you know what? I'm here for you. Please help me understand what you need. And sometimes you don't even know what you need when you're in the midst of grief. You don't know what you need you're just numb. You're just like tuned out with the world. So that I would say is just show love, unconditional love Mm -hmm. to that person. Yeah. Natalie, (laughs) what's your story of grief? Well, just like I said, it's not linear for me. I usually have to pick a trauma or a uh, starting point and it inevitably 
leads me back through a lot of different things to heal. What I wanted to talk about tonight is, is uh, I, I wanted to share my experience with suicide. In 2019, I lost uh, my ex-partner to suicide. It's a difficult thing to kind of speak about. It's, there's a lot more to it than just her. There was also a, her sister when she and I were together that did the same same thing and losing someone to suicide is it's levels and levels and levels on itself mm-hmm. um for me my experience was i i blamed myself if i hadn't had my wife that i have now i don't know that i would have made it through where that grief spun me i completely lost everything with reality and I lost my job. I pretty much became a hermit in my own bedroom. Have family, I have children, and I, I couldn't wrap my head around what had taken place. You say walking around in a zone. I very much just felt like a zombie. Everything was reliving in front of my eyes, and how could I have stopped it, and why didn't it, and what all the what-ifs. And then I was having a hard time differentiating which loss it was and which person I was having these nightmares about. Mm. It's a constant ongoing, still very painful to look back at those that part of my life mm. and know that I was completely helpless. And I think that's, for me, a lot of, as I work through different traumas or grief in my life, I've realized that each time I've been completely helpless to a point. I, working through suicides, it brought me back to a lot of self-doubt and self-dangerous talk. And I got to a point where I didn't, I didn't care if I joined them. I could never have done that by my hand because I had to live with what had happened. Mm -hmm. And I was dealing with that pain and I could never think of putting that pain on someone else. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't get out of the pain enough to want to live. Is it one of those things, like, at least for me, it was be like, if a car comes and hit me right now, I'd be happy to go. It'd be a blessing. That kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. And I'd joke about it. That was how I would get through everything. And, uh, or so, I wanted people to think. But my family knew, my kids, my wife. There was a point where it was the funeral, and two of my daughters were going with me. My oldest daughter had a dance, and she was in her own journey and I was not going to force her to go. There were things that she just, she couldn't and I, that's her journey. I understood that. My other two very much needed to be there and wanted to and so I took them and it's very difficult when you walk into a funeral home and it's in the same setting, it's in the same room. They're being buried in the same vault. There's the invitations for the graveside service are pretty much the same except just very very slight different coloring of the invitations and being able to try to separate those two whereas the previous suicide had been two years prior it was I I couldn't all of a sudden it was right back Mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out which one was which Mm -hmm. and had my wife not continued to sit by my side and the friends that I have that just didn't make me talk, they just sat by my side to know I was safe. And they sat by me through my dissociations where I was journeying back trying to understand. From my childhood, I I choose to do a lot of my healing on my own. I don't know if it's just a response of feeling like I have to go internal but that is something that has always very much helped me and so to know that I had trusted people that just sat to make sure I was safe that was everything for me it gave me the time to be able to really at least come out of my shell so that they could reach me. I think that's a a key too that people listening who have a loved one have a friend a co-worker whomever in the middle of their you know, deep in their grief journey that what you said, that just being there and having no expectation as to how they behave. I don't know, did either of you feel like out to the world you had to sort of put a mask on and be 
okay and thumbs up and then privately grieve? Yeah, because you have a job to uphold, right? Like my work, I had to show up and just pretend like everything was okay in order to function at work. That wasn't a choice that I had. Mm -hmm. I had to financially contribute to the household. And so what that would look like at work is just plastering on, you know, a happy face and then going and on your lunch break and breaking down in your car or driving to a park and just breaking down and at the park or whatever, wherever it was, that is something that is, um, is it, w- it was a hard thing to experience is trying to put that happy face onto the world, especially when, like I was saying, you have to hold down a job mm-hmm. to family. It was, at least for me, hard. I did it, but it was hard, especially when, and this is where I was then, when there were pregnancy announcements in the family, when I had just lost my son, right? I was so happy for them, but so, so sad for myself, right? And so for me, that's kind of uh, what it looked like to try to paint a happy face, because you are happy for them. You really, truly are. But then internally, you're just dying inside. You really are. So, yeah, that's kind of what my experience has been with having to pretend that everything's okay. Yeah. Right? Um, I, from my experience of that is I tried very hard. My fir- Through the, uh, when my sister-in-law took her life, it was, yes, I had to, I very much felt like I needed to be the happy face. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was the one who was trying to hold that family, our family, all of us in in a light to try to calm things. And that's, again, that takes me back to childhood. I always wanted things that was the little peacemaker. I wanted things okay. I didn't. So coming down to something like that, I was, I was feeling everybody's emotions and didn't know what to do with it. I had my own emotions too. And I was so worried about my partner at the time. She had her own struggles. She was always struggling with suicide and there had been multiple times that I'd sat with her and I'd pulled her out of it at that moment and watching her lose her sister I didn't feel like that was ever going to be okay like I knew it wouldn't I knew their bond I knew and watching her grieve through it and then my own grief was like I had to be that happy face Mm -hmm. so then when she did that even though we weren't together at that time, we hadn't been separated two, I mean, we were broke up two years, I guess. But my entire time with her, I was scared she was going to do that. And the entire time after I broke up with her, I'd sit there and talk with my now wife. And I would say, I mean, we had fights because I was too afraid to let go of my ex fully in communication. Mm-hmm. And it was like tearing her apart. And I didn't know I'm separating it. And internally, I was killing myself thinking... The moment I let her go, she's going to do this. Oh, wow. And I knew that. And so then I let her go, and then that transpired. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't within a short amount of time. It was I had worked at EMDR in therapy the Tuesday before, and I opened up a text message on Sunday night from her phone, but it was my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. So it was like... The, the amount of trying to hold myself together at that time, I couldn't. I never had worked fully through the grief. I was still stuck in a grief process of losing my sister-in-law. And so it spun me back on... Yeah. I didn't have a happy face. I didn't... I didn't know... I didn't have a face. <laughs> yeah. And so... And it was that same having to work, but having a partner. But we had seven kids between us now. And was like, okay, how do we bring that forth? And all of a sudden, all this took place, and I completely was almost catatonic. And where I was working at a school teaching uh, special needs children, mm. and had done that for six and a half years, I was going, and I would drive, and I would sit out in the parking lot because I couldn't handle it, knowing something else. Those kids, they'd pass away left and right. Mm. And so... <laughs> I was so afraid that somebody else was going to die right around me again. It was not, I couldn't even go into school. And I would call my wife and I would just bawl. Like, I can't go in. She's like, you got to, you got to. My school, they all tried to help as much as they could. They tried to go through the district to get me extended. And it was basically what it came down to is I was fighting 
battle that I wasn't supposed to work there anymore. Mm. And I loved what I did. I loved those kids. But my daughter has a regressive syndrome. She goes to that school. And it was, for me, my answer that universe is saying, look, if you want to be able to handle her death, you can't be in here anymore. Mm. But that was after I'd already lost my job. I felt completely worthless. I felt like I had nothing to contribute. I just dumped everything on my new, well, two-year new relationship and with seven kids. And it was that internal dialogue that I had no happy face. I didn't want to show my face anywhere. After that second bout, it was, there was no, I didn't know how to show my face anywhere. It was just trauma on top of trauma on top of more trauma. I mean, it was... Yeah. Like you were saying, you, you had two that you lost, and then the trauma of having to put on a happy face, Yeah, the trauma of facing the kids dying at school. So it was like so much trauma piled on top of trauma that was already there that it's, it's understandable why you would be in the place that you were. You can only handle so much, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, you know, I, I look at it as... There's, there's a lot to my life that I have been through, and I'm in an entirely different place. Mm-hmm. And I do look at these things as experiences that have shaped me, molded me, and yes. still, just like you said, they are very raw. Yeah. And there was mm-hmm. so much love there, and there will always be that love. There's also been a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. And watching my, especially one of my daughters, have to understand suicide as well and from losing a stepmom from losing a, her favorite aunt to uh, now she's gone through her life of a lot of kids in school you know she graduated from high school and she's lost at least four from suicide oh my goodness. and it's like it's too is too prevalent to me it's it is the choice that seems to be the best and it's too quick of a choice that can be made they feel like it's glorified so to speak or they try to talk about it so much in a light of get over it and there's no outlets thank you natalie for sharing what you've been sharing i know it's not been an easy thing to do but i admire either thank you thank you But yeah, as you know, it's not an easy thing to do, but our intention again in all of this is to help anybody. Even if it just touches one person, it's touching a million, right? Yep, exactly. So this is, we're talking about grief and resilience. And at some point, I'm sure it's not, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been for me. You don't just turn on a light on a Tuesday and then, oh, the grief is, is gone. But talk about coming out of it, you know, as the fog starts to clear or whatever metaphor, Mm. How is coming out of it, and what role did spirituality play in that for both of you? Oh my gosh, that is, I could, I could talk forever. That would be a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What role spirituality played in it? I didn't see this at the time, but I can look back now in retrospect and see that it was actually working for me all along because what had happened to me is when we'd lost our son and then finally going into therapy and facing my demons, really, when I had been pushing them back, pushing them aside, thinking that I could just heal it with this meditation or I could heal it with this Reiki session. And those are all awesome tools. I'm not putting down those tools, but thinking that that alone would heal my grief and pushing it away. And I call it spiritual bypassing not really knowing any better either that that's what you can't you can't do that right so for me it was um going through another dark night of the soul everything mm-hmm. that i thought i believed in and spirituality came crashing down because i thought you know what i did all these things that you're supposed to do in the spiritual community and none of this did jack shit for me mm-hmm. here i am facing all this trauma that i thought i healed all of this stuff right and so i got angry i was so just oh the anger at at the whole spirituality type thing just got a hold of me and I went through a very very dark night of the soul didn't know who I was anymore didn't know what I believed in anymore I had no idea what it looked like when I thought I was so sure of that before right yeah because you went from 
um, being in a religious background, yes, that that also got all deleted for you with your experience mm -hmm. then to adhering to the new age type of spirituality thinking that that was going to save you and make you feel yes. better and it didn't either so you were like i don't even know who i am i right. don't even know anything about god it just completely shattered all your beliefs right yeah exactly but when i look back now the timeline of how it had to happen had to happen that way because It wasn't until, like I mentioned earlier, I found the therapist that I did that I felt safe to let it go, mm. that I was safe to heal. Or, And healing is not a word as in it goes away, right? That's a whole other podcast, too, <laughs> <laughs> what actually healing yeah. means and what it looks <laughs> yes. like, right? So it wasn't until I got to my therapist that I was able to see he was meant to show up in my life in a specific day and time. And he couldn't show up any sooner because mm -hmm. if he had tried to show up sooner, I wasn't in a place to listen to him. I, I, I thought I can do, I can do all this shit and, and heal it. I'm like, not shit. Sorry. That was rude. But you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> I could do all this stuff on my own. I wouldn't have been able to be receptive to that. Mm -hmm. And so it had to happen that way. And it had to happen for me to go through another dark night of the soul because that's when we rebuild. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everything I had thought I had known about spirituality, at least for me, no longer existed, right? I mean, there were some commonalities. There were some deep core issues that were still there. It's almost like the foundation of, like when you build a house, you can build it with all kinds of materials that you think are gonna last, and then it crumbles down. You still have a foundation, but it crumbles down. And then you're left trying to rebuild that house with new materials, with things that you know are actually going to serve you and help you this time. And so that's how spirituality helped me. It actually was helping me along through the entire process, but I was not in a place in that moment to see it. And that's often how it is, right, when we're going through some really deep stuff. We cannot see why this is happening because the pain is so deep. We're so going through the stuff that we need to go through that we can't see it. And a lot of times we don't want to live anymore. And I have to say, I, I've been there several times myself. Yeah. I've been hospitalized, all that stuff, right? I'm no longer in that space. And none of this stuff is where I'm at any mm -hmm. longer. But this is where I was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's how I can see how spirituality actually helped me through it mm -hmm. in retrospect. Even while you were rejecting yes. the idea of it's it. It's always working for mm -hmm. us. We just have to kind of see it you know, later on down the road, I mean, come down later on the road or, or years down the road. But, and you know, in actuality, you can just kind of see it all, like how the timeline had to play out the way it did. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 What about you, Natalie? Mine's a little bit more clunky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a very stubborn, I guess I just don't get it. So I just like <laughs> the same thing with the school where I just kept going and feeling like I just, I loved that school. So I needed to keep working That's how, for me and my experiences, I think the universe or God just kind of basically had to hit me over the head Yes. to understand spirituality in comparison or in difference to religious understanding. Because even though I also grew up in a very religious background mm -hmm. and I also am not in that religious affiliation anymore. And I wasn't at that time. However, my belief, I always started doing that as what did make me feel good or mm -hmm. what I, I felt did resonate with me. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I would never have used those words because being able to see beyond just what that religious dynamic had taught me yeah. was not something that I was open to. Mm -hmm. yes. And so yes. when what happened to my uh, partner when she did that it was um somewhat forced upon me we had some electrical things start to take place in our house like extremely creepy like uh, <laughs> at that time i got and again i was probably about the most skeptic and just it's whatever i was a stuffer so all of my traumas everything i've just stuffed and stuffed and stuffed mm. It was the only way we could cope. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so the moment that my computer turned on at the opposite side of the room, and it's a it's a uh, song that I've never listened to before. I love the group, but I'd never heard the song before. And uh, 
video is playing and it's someone that is being dragged by a noose. Mm. And this is the night of the funeral. Oh my God. So after everything that transpired and me being the person that I am, because I, okay, again, like when something bad happened, I'd just laugh it off. Let's, I'm not showing emotion. This is not going to happen. I'll show it at home. And now it's morbid jokes. Mm -hmm. That's the only way I can handle it. That freaked me out. So of course my jokes had to start. So I text one of my friends immediately and said, so this song came on and I want you to watch it. She pulled it up and she said, okay, we need to talk. And I said, okay. So she calls me and she says, I need you to see one of my friends and I need you to be open about it. She needs to come to your house. I'm like, what does that mean? Jody? what does that mean? She says, no, there's some things that are going weird in your home. And I feel like there are spiritual people, probably Melinda, that is still with you. Mm. And I looked at her and I was like, uh... Okay, (laughs) like, I believe in angels, I believe in that stuff, but not on that level. Like, that was new to me, and something that was uncomfortable, and it felt right, and I was really afraid. Mm. And so, this lady came over, and it was extremely more than I could handle. And it was a visual that I can't explain, and she had gifts where she helped me to, she Basically, if she had her leg touching me, I could see what she was seeing. As she described it, it would open your gifts for you as well. And she explained later in a couple of sessions down the way that she assumed that I had already been awakened, but maybe not to that extent because I had not been at all. And so she continued to explain to me and show me these things where there were three. It wasn't just Melinda, it was Talana, it was another child from our school that has the same syndrome as my daughter. And they'd all passed and they were all attached to me. And they were scared, except the little girl. She was just there because she wanted to be there. She knew it was time to go, but she wanted to give a special message of thank you to me because I was her teacher and because she loved watching Kimberly and I. And that was like, that was the gift after the other two where I, I had to sit and do those life reviews with them. I had to sit, they got to feel, and I could feel and see and hear their response to my anger and all of the feelings that I was feeling at their loss and also feel what, that they got to see it through my eyes now. And they were trying to make amends. But then I had to go ahead and help them cross over and go to the light, which was an extremely neat something to take place until it's gone. And then I didn't know what to do with it. And that really played into a lot of me being stuck in that room and not wanting to leave it. I, like you said, everything in my belief system I don't know that it had totally exploded it was more there was so much more added information now that I was trying to accept it was blowing my mind and I didn't know what to do with it and I no longer had people I could talk to without feeling like they were going to commit me Mm -hmm. um my therapist even looking back like now like I don't know that she would have committed me. She probably would have continually tried to work with some craziness of what she felt I was crazy or something. I don't know. But it was my safe zone of who I felt like I could work through my traumas and stuff with was no longer there. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust that I could talk to my therapist about that stuff. Nobody else understood it. No one. Nobody that I I knew understood. And my mind told me, Do not share this experience with anyone. Don't be sharing it. Don't. Mm -hmm. And so until I was able to take just a step back, I think it's time. I literally had to walk in my head with people sitting by me and just go back and forth until I felt safe again. But being able to go through those are what kind of my spirituality finally was to a place where, okay, I know that was real. I know the feelings tied to it. And now I need to understand why for me. Mm. And so even unbeknownst to anyone, that's when I started to do my finding out 
what had happened. I mean, I was reading everything I could. I would listen to books. I would read books. I would listen to podcasts. I would just anything that I could just feel a connection that I wasn't abnormal and crazy because I was so angry. I felt that not only had they taken their lives, but now it had turned to, they put it on me that I had to cross them over to the light. They took from me and now, and that's how my mind was taken, but I had to work through that anger. Makes sense, though, why you would I was that so way. mad because she kept telling me, she's like, you are their safe person. And I was so mad. Mm. I didn't ever want to be anyone's safe person again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I think is so ironic about this, and not ironic, but beautiful. And both of you had a different experience in the spirituality side of things, and yet both of you are now amazing healers. <laughs> and so you're saying you didn't want to be in that spot to hold, no. the, to be that safe person, but you're a healer, just you're an amazing healer. So I think that kind of defines resilience. And I know it didn't mm-hmm. go from the experience of helping these three entities pass, you know, cross over to being a healer that on, you know, the yeah. next day. But I think that's, that's something that's beautiful. And how does the grief and the journey that you have been on through grief How does that play into your work as healers? I think for me, it it helps me to hold space more effectively for people. Mm. We kind of talked a little bit about that earlier. Um, Because really, that's what people need when they're Mm -hmm. going through stuff is somebody who knows how to hold space. And Mm. so it helps me learn how to meet people where they're at. But when you meet somebody where they're at, you're actually elevating yourself. That's how I see it anyway. Because you're able to place yourself in their energy, mm-hmm. experience what they're experiencing, so that you can know or, or intuitively download what it is that you have to offer that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, as most of you know, I'm a massage therapist. I can sense that with my hands on their body. And I, and I do Reiki and all that stuff too, but mostly massage therapy these days. When I place my hand on their body, I get instant information, and it's not not anything that is none of my business, right? Spirit's only sure. going to let me know what I'm supposed to know. But I can feel the grief. I can mm. feel the pain. Because you're attuned to it from right. your own experience. From my yeah. own experience, right? And if I had not been through that, and I'm not saying I want to go through any of that again, because mm-hmm. I don't. I would never want to go through any of this again. But I can say now that I'm grateful mm. that I can see how it has shaped me how it has made me who I am, who I wouldn't say healer. I like to say facilitator, facilitator in healing that, that I am for mm-hmm. people now. So that's kind of where, where I'm at with mm-hmm. that. So it's beautiful. Yeah. My experience of for myself, resilience. Yes. Also when you've come through the depth that I felt that I went to and to learn to love life like that again, mm-hmm. When I see someone that's hurting, I there's no one there but me and that person. That's right. I, I uh, it's an intuitive more. I can feel it, and it's it's a connection that I don't want them to feel that I I know that twinge. Give it to me, yeah. and just see it in my eyes that I I'm with you, and I'm sorry, and it's okay to be where you're at, yes. and it can get so much better. Mm. And when I work with. Uh, I do a lot of inner child and journey work with people, and I agree. The facilitation and being a vessel is something that I it never gets old for me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I don't remember a lot of what I helped that person break through. Mm-hmm. Um, they just simply have this deep love, and I have to continue to remind them that it's it wasn't me. They're the one who looked at it, and it was their life. It was their journey, and now... I got to be a vessel that pointed it out to them. Exactly. That they understood the way that I could deliver it. Yes. And I, in that, I just, it, sitting with people in their grief. Mm-hmm. And is, knowing how to do it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And seeing them want to live again. Yes. Or just to look at things. Like, some things can take a long time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just a little bit at a time. Yes. And you see them come back. But as, as you start to pick away those things, for me, my takeaway from it is I pick away things for myself through them as well. Yeah. So I don't want them to look at me as something that, like, 
oh, you're the resilient one. You're the mm-hmm. healer. I don't, that's not true. Yes. They're the healers of themselves. I agree. No one healed me from that space. There's no one, there are people that sat with me. That's right. And had they not, I wouldn't be here. Yes. But they didn't heal me. The only one that could have done that internal work to be able to thrive and love my life was me. I love that. I, when I work with people, that's what I truly, I want them to feel that because I'm not going to be there tomorrow. I don't sit with them every second. Yeah. So if that's what they're saying, oh, thank you, then what are they going to fall back on if they're struggling again? Exactly. So I, it's, that's where I kind of come with it. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. So, Patricia, what would you tell people as the last last message, somebody that's going through grief right now, what would you like to say to them, a message of hope or love? Wow, wow, there's so much I could say, but I know we're kind of getting short on time, but what I would like to say is to remember to be kind and compassionate to yourself. A lot of times when we're going through a dark night of the soul or we're going through something very deep and painful in life it's easy to beat ourselves up like I should be over this by now or or oh I'm having these feelings of anger I shouldn't be feeling anger right because that's another thing that is taught in the spiritual communities never to feel anger allow yourself to feel the anger the anger is actually helping to heal you right I mean don't stay in that anger right because it, then it'll eat you alive but allow yourself to feel it. Allow yourself to feel what you need to feel. Know that it's okay to feel what you're feeling. There are no wrong feelings in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're all different. We're all coming from different journeys, different perspectives, different healing. So we're gonna feel it differently. We're gonna see it differently, right? So that is my advice to people, is to know that it's okay to feel those things. That you are never alone in this journey and I know it can feel like that oh my god I felt so alone so so alone but I can look back now through my experiences and see how spirit was walking beside me how that even showed up in people even complete strangers off the street Mm -hmm. who didn't know me from Adam right who would just say something that I really needed to hear that day so what I'm trying to say I guess is there are messengers out there you're not alone the key is to just be open try to be open as much as you can to what those messages may be that there is somebody out there there is something out there that can understand your pain right even if it's not another human being it can be a different energy in a different universe that's with you that's Mm -hmm. says hey I, i know exactly what you're going through because i can feel it i can see it i may have experienced it in a different life or whatever right whatever that may look like but that we're never alone. And, and again, I'm going to touch upon to have compassion for yourself. It is so, so important to have compassion for ourselves because I was stuck in a place where I was beating myself up. If I had not done, because I did yoga the night before I lost my son. If I had not done yoga, I killed my son, right? Mm-hmm. All these things that come up that you blame yourself for, that you beat yourself up before over. I try to have compassion in, in, in those moments too. And it can be hard. It can be very challenging to have those moments of compassion for yourself when you're in such a dark place, you cannot see your way out. But sometimes that compassion can also show up in others and how they're presenting themselves to you. Mm-hmm. And that can remind you of the own compassion that you can have for yourself. Mm-hmm. So Thank you. that's just where that's great. How I feel. What about you, Natalie? What's your last message for our audience uh, I would say be kind to yourself yeah one if you've lost someone yes. to suicide two if you're sitting in that space where you feel that that's your only option there's fear in both spaces and speaking to someone because you have lost someone can almost be just as hard as at least in my experience be just as hard as talking to someone because that's where you're at and mm. I, I think that that puts us if we choose to stay in our own heads with that we we become shame we have shame mm-hmm. and I was taught uh, that shame is the only emotion that you deal with alone the moment that you speak with someone you give it away to them and you mm. yoke, yoke yourself with them 
and then it can turn to guilt mm. and we can handle guilt but when it's shame it manifests and it just yes. takes us down mm-hmm. yes it's never ending and losing someone to suicide i i don't know that i've met someone who doesn't at some point feel like it's their fault and that's uh it's something that i still struggle with at times and it's been quite a few years yeah but it's also something that i i look at now as a welcome that it just reminds me of how many people i want to share a message with to say you're not alone and it's something that i don't know that you heal from i think you heal with it Mm, I love that. Mm, you heal with it. So just, I just want people to be able to see themselves and keep living in this life. Mm, you two are both such happy people. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of, I've got images of, of you, Natalie, whacking down part of the jungle with a machete recently <laughs> and oh, taking yes. her video <laughs> and smiling. The bananas. <laughs> you, Patricia, and your, I, I am, I'm so, um, I just exalt in your videos of you doing the skating and the skate park and just the things <laughs> that you do. And I think I, I love that you do those things and just the happiness with it. And I think what you both show is that, um, you, the grief isn't gone from either of you, obviously. Yeah. But, you can live life and continue to work through it and find the happiness and the hope afterward. That's right. It's about living the life that you never had. At least for me, that's how it is because I felt like there were a lot of things in my childhood that I got quote unquote robbed of. Mm -hmm. Right. So now that's where it's all coming out is, Hey, I've spent too much time and energy on grieving. I've gone through everything I needed to do. And I'm sure there's still more shit that's going to come up. Right. And it's a never ending journey, but I refuse to spend the rest of my life in a dark place. Mm. And so I'm, I'm living life now. And you're proof that Mm -hmm. you can come out of the dark place. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. absolutely anybody can. Yeah. Anybody can. Well, we love watching you relive the parts of your childhood <laughs> some people I'm a little worried that. I don't want you to break your arm right? I was just going to say some people think I'm batshit crazy because I'm almost 49 right. years old and I'm roller skating like an 8 year old but uh, hey hey, gotta live your life right I completely agree that's why I chose doing inner child work because I just get to stay in my inner child and nobody gets to tell me I can't do whatever I want that's anymore right. that's just right just being a kid come exactly. on exactly yeah. well thank so. you both for being so open and vulnerable to share the story the stories that seem and feel heavy we can feel the heaviness from them mm-hmm. and we can even imagine how it feels in your hearts yeah. and we wanted to do this just to show our listeners that like even us, where we seem to have a good life or we seem to have things more figured out because of what we do and we help other people, that they're still paining us and they're still griefing us. And that's okay. And that's yes. what it is about being real souls. That's uh, right. Real mm-hmm. spirituality is messy and it can be heavy at times. And it's everything that we talked about, but there's so much joy also with it so much beauty because just looking at them too and victoria can agree with this there's so much beauty in both of you oh yes you know even sharing such a deep sad story like there's so much beauty in your eyes and in your hearts and we're Mm -hmm. honored to hear your stories and thank you for sharing yeah Oh, thank you. Beautiful because thank you. that space. Yeah. 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 Thank He's you so much. That space. Yes. And you too, yep. Natalie. You, you too. touched me in so many ways tonight. <laughs> I hope you know that. Well, it, you said a lot of things I needed to hear too. Thank so you. Thank you. It's the very mutual, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has that. been I, good. I yes. love you, ladies. Love, you, we too. love you too. Thank you. And I want to say to our listeners, if you are struggling with grief, if you are struggling with thoughts of suicide, we will have some resources on the webpage. We've got some resources in the in the notes. In the show notes. In yeah. the show notes. Um, you're not alone. Reach out. Reach out to one of the resources. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to a stranger. But reach out because um, you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening today. If you would like to be a guest on our show, or if you have any other comments or questions, please feel free to contact us via our website, which is realsoulspodcast.com. You can also find out more information on the services we offer, such as distant Reiki, spiritual life coaching, and so much more.